Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So what is the status of Tom Brady's contract extension talks with the Bucks? The franchise tag deadline is Tuesday. Who's likely to receive that one for Tampa Bay? We'll give you some more details on Vincent Jackson's death. And the Lightning trailed 3 to nothing to Chicago on Sunday, but rallied for six unanswered goals to take two or three from the Blackhawks. The Bolts are off to their best start in club history through 23 games. We've got all that and more to discuss on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Now, Rick, before we begin... Mm. What is an APSI, and should I be happy that you won one? <laughs> well, first of all, I like the name APSI. It's not exactly what it's called, but I'm, we're going to call it that now because I think it's uh, it's you know sounds sounds like an Emmy, like like something like that. Um, it's actually APSI, which is APSE. It stands it stands for the Associated Press Sports Editors Award, um, and they do this in many categories every year. Um, in in many um, you know uh, different different levels of newspapers in terms of circulation in that we're in the big boy level as we like to say we're there with the Washington Post and the New York Times and the LA LA Times and all of that uh, including the Athletic and and some other um, publications national publications so they have lots of categories and everybody en- enters these or not everybody but you these are entered. Um, for the writers around the nation for different categories, beat writing and features and columns and, and different things like this. The 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 APSI that was awarded to me um, was in, in breaking news. So that's the category, breaking news. So anything in sports that was breaking news. For example, there was, uh, and this was a pretty memorable story, Kobe Bryant in the horrible helicopter crash, uh, you know, that killed him and his daughter. Um, the LA Times placed uh, a top ten finish in in the category that I shared with them, so you you might remember that. And then of course there was the the Washington Post had a couple stories. Well, one was the um, sexual harassment that went on with the Washington Football Team and Daniel Snyder's uh, you know ownership and whatnot. So that was a pretty memorable story. So there was. Some really big breaking news stories in sports. Whatever it was for the year. Now, this is 2020, okay? So, the year ending, um, you know, December 31st, 2020. So, 2020, I'm trying to think back. Hmm. Rick Stroud, breaking news. What What? What could you have won for? Hmm. I'm trying to think. Well, there think. was so much. There was so much that I broke, as you know. Um, Let's see. That's a tough one. I mean, I'm trying to. I mean, 2020. Think about what I cover. I, I would say think about what I cover in general, like over the last, I don't know, three decades, perhaps. You know, I, I th- uh, I'm sitting there thinking. I'm thinking it's got to be Lashawn McCoy signing with the Bucks. <laughs> Wrong. No. Um, no, I'm sure that was probably according to my sources. Lashawn McCoy is signing with the Bucks. That was that guy, and that would not have won. I mean, oh. come on, we get categories like. Kobe Bryant's and you know the, the these are big yeah well Olympics uses. canceling and Cleveland changing the Indians changing their nickname I mean those are the the ones you're up against in this award that's Let's correct see. those are big stories now that not to not to diminish uh, 
you know, the Tokyo Olympics getting canceled, that's a breaking news story that we all remember. And then, of course, the Indians, I mean, for years and years, Cleveland, you know, embraced the Indians' nickname. They're changing that now. Huge story. Mm-hmm. Let's see. So, it, hmm. You know, it, you know I, I was, I'm remembering this story now. I'm thinking it was early in the morning. You were crawling through the muck and the mire. <laughs> yeah. Over fences, through muddy ponds, scaling trees. Erroneous. Erroneous on both counts. Oh, come on. It was creepy now. Come on. Uh, it, was re- it was the creepy story. That's right. Yes. Yes. In fact, this will shock you. Uh, has to do with Tom Brady. Tom, yes, Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. Oh, you mean the guy who had a medical procedure in 1983? No, not that Tom Played Brady. For the not, the one, oh. not not Terry Bradshaw <laughs> evoking the name of five year old Tom Brady. Um no, this was the actual Tom Brady. So the first sighting, it's a little like Sasquatch. You know, you find one of these Yetis and then, you know, the next thing you know, you're winning an award. But uh the first sighting of Tom Brady in Tampa, uh Tampa Tom, Tampa Brady, Tampa Tampa Bray, whatever it was. Um, remember he couldn't work out. He got thrown out of a park. He went into the guy, the wrong house. He was, you know, mm-hmm. getting, getting, uh, citations all over the place. And then they found a secret place to gather, uh, the troops. Cause during COVID there was no training camp. There's no off season program. And so no one had actually, you know, other than the people that threw him out of the park and perhaps the neighbor that was surprised he was in his living room, no one had really seen Tom Brady doing anything bucks like. Uh, until this day when um, myself uh, and uh, I think Joey Knight was with me, of course, and then we had um, a photographer that came, and we got the first photographs, again, a little like Sasquatch. We got the first photographs of Tom Brady in a Bucks helmet, orange shirt, non-contact, whatever, uh, working out with his guys, his, his, his new group of players at Berkeley Prep, which is, as you know, guarded like a fortress. They got... They got guards out in front, and you can't see the stadium anywhere. And it took me, I don't know, lots of lots of trips out that way to uh, to try to find a public road where I could actually, you know, look and watch uh, Tom Brady and those guys work out. So yeah, it was it was the it was the first it was Tom Brady, you know, at six forty six forty five six thirty, all those cars rolling into Berkeley Prep, and then by golly. He had about a two-hour workout, and uh, yeah. So I hate to was... burst your bubble, Rick. You didn't break that story. I saw it on Fox 13 two weeks later. <laughs> right. Well, they got tipped off. I don't know who did it, but somebody tipped them off. Perhaps they have a subscription, and they'll have to qualify for uh, the Heli Award, which is the helicopter uh, breaking news awards. But I got the APSI, so proud to do it no it was it was uh it was really a cool thing and uh i can say that because i've won before um but yeah i wasn't the only apsy winner of the tampa bay Times. Oh, no, our good friend way. matt baker yeah Won that's right explanatory category he did he absolutely did and he and he of course we like to call him you know sports day tampa bay's matt baker absolutely because he's a regular on this show and um he won for explanatory journalism a really cool story uh, that he needed to explain, which was the ending of the uh, the Gator Bait chant up in um, up at the University of Florida, which uh, you know turns out to be very inappropriate for a lot of reasons, but um, the racial overtones being the most obvious one. And so he explained what what the roots of that was, and they actually 
had ended that chant at the University of Florida. So congratulations to him. Um, I believe that uh, uh, I don't know that they've come out with uh, the, the, the various special sections. We won as a newspaper um, for I'm trying to think it was like uh, projects. We had a project where we did uh, a series of stories. I had one of them. And I think Matt, Matt wrote one as well, which was a project on uh, what sports would be like without fans. And we took, you know, every major sport, uh, some that weren't major, and, and do- dove into what the plans were at that time, pre-COVID or during the COVID era, um, you know, for all those major sports, what they were going to look like, sound like, how they were going to navigate, you know, a uh, in many cases a fanless um, season, you know. So we all, we did that, and, and the Tampa Bay Times won an, won an APSI for that one as well. So yay to us. Well deserved. The winners... The winners all. Thank you very much. I uh, appreciate you bringing that up. So uh, let's move on. <laughs> Speaking of Brady, I'm not. I Who? did not do any. I, yeah, I did not do any creepy crawling this weekend. However, I digress. We had uh, a little, a little incremental news. I we wrote this a couple weeks ago. I think Jason Light did the conference call with Bruce Arians, and he talked about you know wanting to do something with Tom Brady and extending his contract. Of course, Brady has said he wants to play till he's 45. Or was that 54? Or was that 64? I can't remember. But he's capable of doing all of it. And, you know, they, uh, there was, it was inevitable that at some point they would begin discussions with his agent, Donald Yee, about extending his contract at least one more year to 2022, I guess it would be. Because he's on his last season of that two-year deal is, is 2021. Remember, he signed a two-year $50 million deal. But his cap number this year actually went up. Uh, for 2021, because instead of being 25 million, it's actually going to be 25, 28.4 because he earned 3.4 million dollars in in incentives for for reaching the Super Bowl. Each time he won a playoff game, he got so much. Then getting to the championship, he got so much. Then getting a Super Bowl was a million. I think winning it was a million. So when you earn that money on a contract on incentives, the next year it becomes likely to be earned incentives. And with Tom Brady. It is likely that he will make a Super Bowl. So you have to count that bonus money against the salary cap for 2021. So his actual salary cap number right now is going to be 28.4. But they, they're talking about adding a year, and what they could do is pay some of his salary for 2020 uh, as a signing bonus or as a bonus, some kind of bonus that they could then amortize over the next two years. And so if you gave him $10 million up front, for example, $5 million, uh, would come off the cap this year, five million, you know, for next year, uh, if you paid him, you know, that, and then, you know, his cap number would go down by ten million for his base salary this season. So you would save some money on the salary cap. So I expect him to do something to create cap space, which they would need to do probably before March seventeenth, which is the free agent signing day. Um, and the Bucks right now have about twelve million dollars in salary cap space. Right now, it's projected to be one hundred and eighty. $0.5 million salary cap, but they got all these players they got to sign, right? They got Shaq Barrett, they got Godwin, they got Brown, they got Levante David and Rob Gronkowski and then Sue and, you know, Ryan Suckup and all these guys. So the more Brady can do to sort of, you know, create an opportunity for those to get those guys back, obviously he wants to win, he's going to do it. And um, there's no real surprise. Now it's, it's not imminent. And as we do this podcast, uh, you know, on Sunday for Monday, uh, Sunday night for Monday's uh, show, um, 
nothing was going to happen, you know, before Monday. I, I don't know that it's going to happen Monday either, but nothing was going to happen over the weekend. They've got a lot of more talking to do. You know, Justina Anderson had put something out there, and she was she was right, but she's a little bit ahead of I don't know. I wouldn't say ahead. She kind of said they're making progress, which I don't know what not making progress would be, but um, they still have a lot. From what I understand, they have a lot of work to do in terms of uh, what his salary cap number, how to get to a salary cap number uh, for 2021. And, and there's some things they have to discuss there. So I would say that uh, maybe, maybe as early as this week, certainly before the 17th, that they would have an extension for Brady and it will create cap space. The other thing that has to happen is on Tuesday is the deadline for using the franchise player tag. If they're going to use one at all, they have to do it by, by Tuesday. Um, so that could happen as early as today. It could happen uh, certainly by tomorrow. And with this many free agents, it's very unlikely, at least by Tuesday, that you're going to have that many re-signed to where you'd go, yeah, you know what, we don't need that tag. They're going to need it. They're going to use it. I'm pretty sure about that. And my guess is, and it's only a guess, but I think it's a pretty good one, that, that you know, unless they have some deal on on the horizon with Chris Godwin, I really think that Chris Godwin's going to get it. You know, he just turned 25 years old last month. You know, he's going to go from making a $2.4 million base salary to almost, you know, over in excess of $16 million on a one-year contract. Um, it's really good money. Yeah, he would like a long-term deal. Now, the key is going to be how close are they with Shaq Barrett because he's absolutely a priority in this free agency. But Shaq was, you know, he was franchised last year and uh, made 15.8, and he, he wants that long-term deal. So I'm not sure I'm not sure that they would try to franchise him again. But it looks to me like it'll be Godwin. We'll see. Levante David obviously is a big priority for them. Uh, and there's many, many more like Ryan Suckup and Gronkowski and whatnot. But it's going to take some time. I mean, and they have until, you know, the 14th is the legal tampering period where teams can actually reach agreements. They can't sign them anything until the 17th, but they can reach agreements with players. So if you're a player that's close, but maybe you have a disagreement about with the Bucks about what your value is, maybe you go out there on the 14th and you start answering phone calls from other teams and you actually come back to the Bucks. Not that you have to do this, but you can say, hey, I was right. I'm worth X. You thought I was worth Y. I got X offer from this other team. What are you going to do about it? And and that's the way it's going to go. And at the end of the day, I think most players are going to go for the money. You know, if if it's negligible, if it's the same, or maybe a million or two more, and you got to relocate, maybe maybe players decide then they will stay put. But um, money usually determines these things, and um, you know it's hard to predict who's going to get the biggest offer and who really wants to see what's on the other side, and and so on and so forth. But um, but Brady's going to help out if he does his deal, which I expect him to before the 17th. And obviously, you know, they're going to have a franchise tag to lock up somebody uh, as early, as late as Tuesday. So that's what's going on with the Bucks Now, Rick, I had I had a friend ask me a question over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Now, last year we talked about how the Bucks could use a franchise and a transition tag when it was coming up on this time. Could they do that this was, year? I think that was true last year, but it is not. It is not true this year. You have to choose either franchise or transition. Okay. Um, they did do that. I don't know. if It was last year or two years ago when they weren't. I think they weren't sure about the CBA. Um, that's right. I, now that you say that, it was because it was the last year of the CBA. It was the last that's why they year could of do the that. CBA, and they were able to use both. That's and if correct. they would have had an agreement prior to the start of free agency, then you would have only just been, able been to one. Use one. So it was. That's right. I remember, right. Now that you say that, it jogged my memory. Yeah, and the transition tag. It's weird. It's like not many teams use it, but 
you know, with franchise player tag, people ask me this all the time. What does that mean? Well, it means there, there's a couple of different types of franchise tags, but primarily what they do is they, they sort of prevent a player from testing free agency. So in exchange for paying a player, um, either the average top salary of the top five players at their position uh, or, you know, 120% of what they made the previous year, which is a lot, um, you're basically franchising them and saying, you know what, you're not allowed to test free agency. Or if you did, if some team came to, came to you and signed you um, or offered you this enormous contract that, you know, the Bucks just didn't want to match. I mean, there's exclusive franchise tag in which no one can come after you, which is usually what teams do. And then there's non-exclusive. But a non-exclusive requires that a team give the other team at least two number one picks. And so you don't – usually when a player is franchised, it means he ain't going anywhere. Transition tag, they got to guarantee you the average salary of the top ten players at your position so it's less money. And in that instance, you get right of first refusal. So the player can actually enter into a free agent contract with another team, um, but you have right of first refusal to match that offer. And that's dangerous in a way because if you're a team with not a lot of salary cap, especially in 2021, a team that had a lot of salary cap could say they could sign Chris Godwin, right, to, to a, if you tagged him, if you gave a transition tag to Chris Godwin, they could sign him to a deal that's worth more than what, uh, that's what you would pay and front load it and really crunch you for the salary cap this year. If you don't have much money this year, they could front load his deal and, and just structure it in a way that you just can't match it because you're, you have so many restrictions um, with the way your salary cap is versus theirs. So um, it's very it's very rare that teams you know use the transition player tag. The Bucks will not. I think they're going to franchise one of these players. I think it's going to be Godwin. We'll see. I mean, maybe Godwin reaches an agreement or they think they're close enough um, to where they don't franchise him and they franchise Shaq Barrett or they franchise Levante Diver, whoever. Um, but it is a good tool in the toolbox, especially when you have, you know, two dozen free agents and most of which or many of which you would like to get back for 2021. So that's what's going on this week. It's going to be an eventful week with respect to uh, the franchise tags throughout the league. And, um, and of course, you know, we'll follow the, the Tom Brady extension um, situation as well. So the other thing you want to check out in uh, Sunday's Tampa Bay Times, also is on TampaBay.com, uh, I think it's as early as Friday, is uh, sort of a continuation. I had a chance to talk to some of Vincent Jackson's business partners and get a little more perspective, sort of where they're at. And, and they're where everybody's at, quite frankly. It was very personal for them. Um, but they have a lot of questions and very few answers. And we may never get those answers. But certainly, you know, until the medical examiner is done um, determining this cause of death, which they have not yet, um, there's there's going to be these questions. And the biggest one that can't be answered, uh, and when I talk to, um, you know, Adam Itzowitz, who was a co-owner of Cast Social and some others, you know, they they there came a time when Vincent Jackson, um, who had who had moved out, you know, from his home for several months, but most recently was at, you know, this Homewood Suites since January 11th until they found him um, in February, a month later. Uh, you know, they nobody really knew you know, that, that he was going through this as far as his business partners and some of his closer friends. And I'm sure his family knew. I'm sure his mom and dad knew. I'm sure there probably were 
some really close personal friends and even business associates that may have known some of what was you know prompting him to to leave the home and all of that but um in so much as he was still conducting business uh you know almost right up until and you know but some some people had lost track of them and when the family alerted some of his his business partners that they had not talked to him for several weeks it became scary and rightfully so and then they put out the missing persons um you know report and Hillsborough County Sheriff's found him at this Homewood Suites um they weren't able to take him into custody or anything like that however if you read my story in Sunday's Tampa Bay Times um you know a sheriff's department uh, source told us that Jackson's family was attempting to um you know have him evaluated for drugs and alcohol under the Marshman Act which is you know is is a tool you can use in the state of Florida to take people into custody and have them evaluated if if they it can be proven or suspected that uh, they are endangering themselves or someone else through drug, drugs and alcohol and unfortunately um you know it, it was too late i mean it was you know they they had the wellness visit on thursday um if they had learned and and tried to file this over the weekend it probably would have been in the clerk's office and then by monday of course the call came in uh the 911 call and he was already gone so it's it's unfortunate you know that 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 they were unable but it shows it shows a family that was trying to not only find out where he was but actually um perhaps intercede now uh, i will say this that um you know the, the family spokesperson when asked about the marshman act um simply said that they could not confirm it and then reminded us that it wasn't a public record and they are correct but that's what we had from a hillsborough county um sheriff's office source that uh, one one was attempted um, by the family, and it just it just didn't come to didn't come to pass. Um, you know, there were also uh, bottles of alcohol in his room, and and you know where this is headed is not a great place. But the biggest takeaway is that you know Vincent Jackson, what what he represented in his life as a player, uh, all those things were just you know unbelievable. What he was able to accomplish. Um, 38 years old, you know, just tremendous business acumen, you know, got his degree at the University of South Florida. We know what he did with his Jackson and Action 83 Foundation. He had so much going on, and yet he kept sort of his business and his private life segmented. In other words, there wasn't much, there wasn't a whole lot of crossover interaction, you know, between, say, the guy that was co-owner with him at Cask Social or, you know, somebody that was a business uh, uh you know, a business partner of his in St. Petersburg, you know, uh, at the Manhattan Concedo that they were fixing up. There wasn't a lot of, of, you know, interaction between parties. Um, So he was able to kind of deal with all of them independently, although he did, you know, it scared some of them when the family called and said, hey, you know, we haven't heard from him, have you? And a lot of these people that we spoke with went back and looked at their text messages and phone messages and tried to tried to see, you know, if there was any sign in there that this guy was in distress. And that's the biggest thing is that, um, you know, it's, it's very, uh, it's very agonizing for the people that love Vincent Jackson, that they, a didn't know, um, where he was and, and didn't know that, uh, he was in this much pain and, and just wished that they, you know, could have done something to help him because he helped everybody. You know, he, uh, put everyone else first ahead of himself uh, he was an optimistic guy. He was a can-do guy. Uh, he was the guy that, um, you know, never gave up. He had all these, you know, football cliches. We're right at the goal line and, you know, 
Uh, we got to dust ourselves off. And anytime something bad would happen in business or in life, um, he, he pumped everybody else up. So uh, check out the story. It's in the Tampa Bay Times on TampaBay.com. Uh, just a little, a little more insight from those who, uh, you know, who knew Vincent, uh, Vincent the, the best. And, and like I said, there'll be, there'll be time in the future when the Emmy uh, and all that comes out. We'll learn a, bit, a little bit more. Um, but it's not going to change the fact that, uh, uh, you know, the way he lived his life was certainly more important than how he died. But um, it's just a, a tremendous loss that the people that love him are still struggling with and probably will forever, you know, to some degree. And some have done things to memorialize him and have some ideas about that. And uh, it's all in the story you can check out in the Tampa Bay Times. Okay, let's talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning because I'm telling you, I'm getting ready to go out. Uh, with some friends on Sunday. That game came on at 2 o'clock, I think. 2.30. And bef- Yeah, before I knew it, before I knew it, they're down 3 to nothing. And my comment to myself was, the Blackhawks are really pretty good. You know, like they were about to, in my mind at that point, and I know that the Lightning didn't play a great first period, but I'm thinking, they're going to take two out of three, and the one game that the Lightning won was with .01 or whatever seconds, you know, uh, on that, that headman shot that I think Kalorn or somebody tipped. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're that close to being swept. And then all of a sudden, I get in my car, and by the time I think I – by the time I get where I'm going, they have already taken the lead. They had scored four straight. Turns out they score six straight goals uh, against the Blackhawks and win going away six to three. What an offensive explosion in periods two and three. Alex Kalorn, I think, summed it up best, and he says, you know, for whatever reason, we, you know, he goes, and, and it was a day game, and, and not that this is an excuse, but we just weren't, we weren't up, we weren't ready, and, and we kind of woke up, and they yeah, did. Yeah, they did. Um, there's, uh, it's funny, because this is what happens when you win a Stanley Cup. The next season, every game, you're, you're nitpicking every little detail and thinking, this is awful, this is horrible. And, you know, they're not in it. They didn't wake up for the first period today. And, and you know, you'll see some chatter online, particularly in that, where it's, you know, it's what is this team doing? And, oh, my goodness, they're, they're a mess. And they've got the best start in franchise history through 23 games now. You said that before the podcast, and that really that rattled me because think about that. You know, a couple of years ago they had – the best for they tied for the best record in the history of the NHL, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for the most points or whatnot, uh, and of course that's when they lost four games straight to Columbus. And then last year they won the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that this start is better than any of those teams, including the well, the 3 teams. Definitely better than those. So they're seventeen four and two. The best start through twenty three games ever was seventeen and eighteen season, which they went sixteen mm. five and two. Okay. That's incredible to me. And, and I've had this discussion with some people that, you know, are worried about some of the ways they play. And, and, and look, you know, have they played perfect every game? No. Thursday against Chicago, did they deserve to win that game that they won, that they got the goal with .1 seconds left in overtime? No, not really. Chicago probably should have won that game. Although Friday night, the Lightning outplayed Chicago. But Chicago did. ended up getting the win in, in a shootout. They did. Um, yeah. You know, and those things kind of worked themselves out. Mm-hmm. Are there things the Lightning need to work on? Sure. Are they – is everything perfect? No, not even close. But I still go back to this team is by far the most talented team in the division. They're going to make the playoffs, barring something really crazy, massive injuries or whatever. 
they've got enough talent. They're going to make – you just have to be the top four in your division. And there's already a separation. There's really only about five teams that can make the playoffs in this division already. Maybe you could say six. But they just need to make the playoffs. And that they're not playing for game 23. They're playing for game 57. You know, it's, That's right. It's get to the playoffs for them. Some teams, mm-hmm. like Chicago – needs to play very well in, in, in order to get to the playoffs. They weren't expected to be as good as they are right now, and right now they're in a playoff position. But they need to bring it every night. And it's not saying the Lightning are purposely laying off the gas. I'm not saying that at all. But you just won the Stanley Cup. You're, you're off to the best start in franchise history. You're going to make the playoffs. Are you fully motivated for every single game? Like, it, like, like it's the, the most important game of your life, which is what you'd kind of do in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, that's why right. you see in the playoffs, it's a whole new level. Every team. I mean, you know, when you get to the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's like nothing you saw in the regular season for every team. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying they're not motivated because that's not the right thing. But when you've, you've got a 56-game schedule, you're off to the best start in franchise history. You're going to make the playoffs. Are you going to have some down periods in games? Sure. You do that in a regular season anyway. I mean, even the year they, they, they set the record for points. They had some bad games. They had some stinkers that year. Not many, because you can't get that many points with too many stinkers. But, you know, I, I think, you know, I still think they're trying to figure out some things on the defensive end. I mean, you realize how many games they lost on the defensive end from last year? Braden Coburn's not on the team. Kevin Shattenkirk's not on the team. Zach Bogosian's not on the team. A lot of playoff minutes between Bogosian mm-hmm. and Shattenkirk. You know, so they're still figuring some things out there. They're figuring out the fourth line. Can can Matthew Joseph center that fourth line? What's Alex Volkov giving you? You've seen Alex Barry Boulay and Ross Colton come in. Um, you saw Andreas Borgman on the defensive end make his lightning debut today. Um, I, I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, you know, he wasn't great. Um, he did some things well. He made some mistakes. But, you know, it's his first game with the lightning and first game in quite some time. So... I mean, they're figuring things out. It's not quite the same team, although most of the, the crew's back. And you still don't have Kucherov on this team. And you're off well, to the best start ever. It. Yeah, you just said the thing right there. I mean, the, the MVP of the league, the best player in hockey, arguably, um, and he was a couple of years ago, is is not on your hockey team right now. And you're doing this um, and with some pretty unbelievable performances. What can you say about Andre Palat right now? Well, he's set his career high already for power play goals. Now it helps when you're in the you know Nikita Kucherov spot on that power play. That's right. But sure. But you still got to make those shots. Mm-hmm. You still got to be a big enough weapon so that you know you're freeing up everybody else in that power play and giving yourself space. So, but Andre Palat, Brian Engblom's talked about this a lot, and 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 even John Cooper has to a point. Was it two or three seasons ago? Andre Palat had a really down year. He had changed his off season workout routine and was really focusing on he did a lot of weights and wanted to get stronger and felt that was very important for his game and it turns out he got slower and it really hurt him and he knew it early in the season but by the time you're in the season you can't really change that you're not going to you know lose 15 pounds in the in the regular season and become a more fit and you know whatever you know that's an those are off-season changes you have to make to your body and so he struggled throughout the season he's still a good player but he, he didn't you know it was that you started hearing that is Andre Palat, you know, is this the end of for him? And, you know, he's not that good anymore. And the right. next season he, he changed it and stopped with the weights and, and really went back to focusing on becoming faster and, and, and using his speed and, and, you know, knowing his ability in the corners and all that. And we've seen the last two seasons. I mean, he had a phenomenal playoffs. 
I mean, everyone talks about Point and Kucherov and Hedman, who were you know fan, absolutely fantastic. In the players, but Palat goals. was huge too. Huge goals. Palat was just as big as those guys. Um, you know, he, and, and he's playing on that top line, but he fits in perfectly with whether it's Stamkos and Kucherov and Point and all. You know, he is. He's always been one of the unsung heroes on the team, but now you're starting to actually, you know, sing his name and, and praise because he is scoring more and putting more points on the score sheet. He's always been one of those players that has done the dirty work for the team, and, and your players talk about all the time how important he is to the team. But now you're he's starting to get rewarded with the points and on the score sheet. And the other guy, we saw Palat, you mentioned him in the playoffs, and, and you know, the guy that's their energy and had a big game again on Sunday is Yanni Gord. I mean, Yanni Gord just stir things up <laughs> he just makes them go i mean he's become their engine he really has it's it's he's fun to watch he also got a haircut which you know <laughs> i noticed he's even faster now yes but, he did uh, yeah well yeah you know um and he's becoming a fashion icon and everything else too so <laughs> yeah uh, but no i mean and it you know when he plays with coleman and goodrow and and they don't they've shuffled the lines a lot recently from injuries yeah. and some and just to spark the team in that. But when those three are together, it's I mean, it's so fun to watch that line. They are yeah. absolutely – I mean, you know, Gord will tell you that, you know, many people think he's the most annoying person to play against on this team, but he'll tell you it's Blake Coleman, that, that mm-hmm. the opposing team does not like Blake Coleman. So you put those two together on a line, and the other team does not like it at all. They no. don't like their forecheck. They're, you know, they're just – and they're not dirty. No, they just don't give up on but, anything. Yeah they, yeah, they don't give up. Um, you know, they're just – this team's fun to watch. I mean, you know, they won the cup last. I mean, really think about this for the last seven years, really, with this Lightning team. I mean, in what fourteen, fifteen, they go to the Cup final versus Chicago and lose. In the fifteen, sixteen season, they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and lose to Pittsburgh in seven games. They probably outplayed Pittsburgh in that series, but they they didn't advance. And that was mostly without Stamkos in that playoffs. He came back for Game Seven against there. The what the next season, sixteen, seventeen. Um, what that was the year that they missed the playoffs by one point, and but they were playing so well at the end of the season, nobody wanted to play them by the end. They just got off to a horrible start. Mm-hmm. Then the next year, you go to the Eastern Conference Finals versus the Capitals, and you lose in seven games. You were up three to two in that series. Then you had the phenomenal regular season. You set records and all that. You know, you get swept, and I think Headman's injury had a big part to do with that. He did play the first two games, but he wasn't himself. But and then you come back the next year, and you're having a really good regular season. Then you have a pause in there, and you come back, and then you go win the Stanley Cup in a bubble. And now you're coming back this year, and you're off to the best start in franchise history. I mean, this as a Lightning fan, man, this is this is fun stuff. I mean, maybe you thought maybe you should have won another cup in this time or two, but this is, what, six, seven seasons of just a lot of winning. Yeah. And it's fun. And it's, you know... I. I appreciate what they're doing and it doesn't mean you can't criticize and doesn't mean they're not doing everything right they'll be the first to tell you i mean you know Kaloran said that how you know they started poorly and on what uh, thursday night's game they really played poorly they ended up winning mm-hmm. you know they, they know when, when they're not good they but they know what they need to do but they also know that you know most of this team is back from a stanley cup team that it's not game 23 that matters it's game 57 at the end of the season right. it's the next game after the regular season is done that matters Right, I think the you know if there was a concern coming out of the Chicago series, it was the elbow that uh, Eric Ooh. Chernak Ooh. caught in the face, and uh, that's going to cost somebody some games. But I, I mean, is that it was such a bad hit, right? And it, it turned into a game misconduct, all that. But I mean, is that one where you know the toughness of Chernak? It, it's not 
In other words, it's not a knee, it's not a upper body injury, it's an upper body injury, but he took it to the jaw. I mean, well, the question the question is, you know, is what is the injury? Was it just true? You know, a headache? Was yeah. it? Did he, you know, break a jaw or something like that? Or sure, you know, or is it sure. a concussion? And then if it's a concussion, then who knows? Yeah, what then the, you're gonna be careful. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, and I think you know, in this game, no matter what that injury was, I don't think he was coming back in, even if no, even if they no. said, hey, it's not a concussion. I mean, there's no point in, like I said, in game 23 to come right. back at this point. That's right. Um, that was a dirty hit. Um, not quite the Tom Wilson hit. If you saw that one on Brandon Carlo of the, the Capitals uh, mm-hmm. the other day, that he got suspended seven games for. And granted, Tom Wilson's a pretty dirty. He's player. noted for being dirty. Yeah, fifth suspension, I believe, um, in the league. And you know how many other fines on top of that? Um, that was completely blindsided. Carlo never even knew he was coming. Type hit. Uh, you know, Chernak could kind of see this, although he was his puck. I mean, it's it was a bad hit. And Connor Murphy deserved to get thrown out of the game, and he's probably going to be suspended for a couple games, I would think. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't have a history of it, though, so you know he's not known as a dirty player. I mean, the players kind of right. know who's dirty and who's not overall. Sure. Um, but it, it was a bad hit, and one probably Connor Murphy would want to take back. I mean, he probably wouldn't want to do that again. Um, but, yeah, you just hope that he's okay. I mean, Jan Ruda's already banged up right now. He hasn't played the last two games. Um, although Cooper has said he's close, so you know maybe it's one of those he could have played today, but they wanted to get Andreas Borgman in, uh, who was on the taxi squad, get him his first game as a Lightning player. Um, you know, mm-hmm. that's the other thing is they're, they're trying to get some players in the games too, so because you never know who you're going to need to come playoff time. Exactly right. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, so um, for tomorrow's podcast, uh, we'll give you guys an opportunity to ask your questions in our popular mailbag segment. We've got a lot going on this week, of course, as we uh, wind up towards free agency. A lot of players out there that they're negotiating with, including Tom Brady, who's going to get the franchise tag. Also, all those questions, anything you have, not just about the Bucks, also the Bolts or the Rays or USF or anything you got, do that by submitting your questions to us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Erstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.